Well, hello everyone. My name is Kevin Rognes and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant. And I'd just like to say thank you for watching, for listening, however you're consuming this episode. I'm just really grateful that you take the time to make use of this resource. As always, if you'd like to make sure that you don't ever miss an episode, please hit that subscribe button, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you're utilizing. Um, we just want to make sure that you never miss an episode. And just a reminder, they usually had so far, I've been very consistent about getting them out every day on or every week on Wednesdays. So Wednesday morning, check it out. Um, and as always, if you have questions, things you want us to address, please let me know. My email address is in the comments section down below, or excuse me, in the information section down below. Um, so please let me know if there's anything you want us to tackle on the podcast. So today, those of you who are watching on YouTube instead of listening in podcast form are going to see a little bit more um, visual aids that I use. But if you're listening, you won't miss out either. I'll make sure that we uh, that I describe everything well enough for you. But you may notice that I'm kind of surrounded by books right now, and I'm going to tell you why. You may be wondering, how do those of us who sometimes preach or um, spend time really getting into the Bible how do we get all this information that we use during sermons or during any sort of teaching? Because there is a lot of information out there that we sometimes put into these things. You may also be wondering, what are some ways that I can dig deeper during my Bible study? How can I learn more about the original context? Or what would this have really looked like? What is some of the history background behind all of this? So today, I want to go through some of those resources that help me when I'm preaching to um, help share and teach, and also just some of the resources that I use to better understand for my own personal reading and my own personal uh, discipleship and um, growth as a follower of Jesus. So we're going to talk about a lot of different resources today, and I want to say right from the beginning that this is not to say that you should have all of these resources if you want to be a good Christian. Um, these are just different tools that are helpful. Um, some of these tools do have a cost involved to buy some of these things. Um, so I'm not telling you that you have to go buy these things to be a better follower of Jesus. Not at all. I'm just kind of giving you some insight as to what we use to grow deeper and give you an idea of what resources you might want to look into possibly getting someday, or what things you might look for online that could be free. So again, this is not to say that you have to go get all these kinds of things um, right away to be a follower of Jesus. Not at all. So the first resource that I want to talk about is the Bible itself. So right now, this that I'm holding here is my personal devotional Bible. Um, it's the CSB version, the Christian Standard Version, or excuse me, Christian Standard Bible. Um, and this particular edition has uh, notes in the margin that I like to use to write notes, um, just questions that I have, things that I find really interesting. But um, what I think we should all know is that it is okay to mark up our Bibles. It's okay to write things on the side, to underline things. Uh, some of you like to highlight. Some of you like to use different color pens. Um, all of those things are wonderful. <laughs> it's not disrespectful to do that to your own personal Bible. 
Now, if it's a Bible you're borrowing, like from a library or a friend, maybe don't do that <laughs> unless you have permission. Um, but when it's your personal Bible, feel free to just write, to highlight, to underline, to put little stars or symbols. I've seen people do little drawings and doodle little things. If that's what helps you understand and engage in the Bible better, great. <laughs> do it. Um, so make your Bible your own. Um, I've written a lot in this one. I have another one up there that I've had for years that I've scribblings and underlines in all over the place. Um, so really make sure that you make your Bible your own. You also may be thinking, oh, isn't the Bible online? Yes, it absolutely is. So there's Bible Gateway is a really great uh, website that has the entire Bible for free in multiple translations. So um, it's a really great way to quickly kind of compare translations and say, what do these two say? Um, there's also the YouVersion app, which is just called Bible. And that also has a bazillion different free translations that you can put on your phone or iPad or other uh, electronic device. Um, I know on the iPad version, because it is a bigger screen, and you can probably do this in other versions as well for other tablets, um, but you can actually put two different translations side by side. That can be really helpful as well. And I'm going to talk in a moment about different translations. I also want to say that um, we should never look down on simplified versions of the Bible. So right here, I'm holding a... Um, the uh, Bible that I got when I was a kid. Um, I don't know if it was from my church or just something my parents got, but it was the Bible that I had growing up. And it's called the Simplified Living Bible Text Version. And basically it just puts things, um, some things are maybe a little bit complex for kids. Um, and so it maybe words things a little bit more simply here and there, or um, in some cases where there's maybe a little bit more violent content, it kind of, um, it, it doesn't erase it, but it just kind of uh, makes it a little more palatable for younger audiences. Um, these should not be looked down upon. A simplified translation of the Bible should never be looked down upon, even for adults. Why do I say that? I have found in my life that sometimes reading a simplified version of biblical text really puts things in a new perspective for you. I remember a time where I was reading a simplified version of the book of Luke, and um, it was designed for people who were learning English as a um, secondary language. And so it kind of avoided words in English that we are familiar with um, as people who maybe have spoken English our whole lives that other people who are learning English may never have learned. And so the specific example was that they did not want to include the word manger um, during the birth story of Jesus Christ, because manger is not a common word. Many of us that have grown up with the English language and in the church know that manger is kind of, you know, the thing that Jesus was laid in and like animals eat out of it. So the simplified version said that Jesus was born and laid in a box that animals eat out of. And just that simplified way of uh, looking at the text changed my whole perception of what it means that Jesus came as a human being, that it was that humble, that Jesus was placed in a box that animals eat out of. So simplified versions of text are really 
important and we shouldn't look down on those if we're an adult and maybe looking at a kid's Bible. We should pick it up and read it sometimes too. This particular Bible also has illustrations. So here's a picture for those of you who are listening. It's a picture of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And again, just because it's illustrated doesn't mean it's only for children. Um, I think sometimes illustrations in Bibles help to fire up our imagination and help us understand and better visualize what's going on. Over here, I also have another illustrated version of the Bible that um, instead of like drawn visualizations, it has a series of photographs throughout the Bible. And these photographs include pictures of artifacts, um, includes things like biblical settings, so that you can better understand visually what things might have looked like. Um, what might the landscape have looked like in some of these biblical stories? Um, there's also a lot of maps in a version like this that give me better context and better understanding for where people were going. So a moment ago I said that it's great to look at different translations of the Bible, so it can often be very helpful for you to have multiple Bibles around at home that you can read from, or to use the internet or online resources to look at other translations as well. Why do I say that? Well, there's a lot of different ways to translate the Bible, and many of them are still very accurate to the original text. They're very faithful to the original text. The reason it's sometimes useful to look at different versions is that, A, it can sometimes help you think in a different way. There are some versions that are intended to be a very word-for-word -word translation, and there are other translations that are designed to be a more idea-for-idea -idea translation. Sometimes those idea translations are a little bit easier to understand, so they can be helpful for that. In other cases, it can be helpful to understand word, uh, individual word choices by the translators if you're looking at different translations. For example, last night I was in a Bible study whoops, for our Wednesday night programming, and we were looking at a passage in John chapter 7. And one phrase was translated in three different ways in three different translations. One translation said grumbling, one said widespread whispering, and another said, I wrote it down, what did it say? Um, grumbling, widespread whispering, or muttered. And so it's three things that were being said, and they all are very close to each other, um, but it gives a slightly different um, range of interpretation to help you understand what kind of ideas the original word might have been getting at. So it's just really helpful to look at multiple translations for that reason. So that's kind of the first example of a resource that I recommend you get. Get a Bible. <laughs> if you don't have one yet, get one, whether it's digitally on your phone um, or even a paper copy. I really love to have a paper Bible for my personal devotions because if I'm reading on an app, it's great to read on an app. It's great to read the Bible any way you can, but other notifications and text messages can come up. So when I'm in a physical paper Bible, um, I'm, there's no other notifications come up. I'm focused on that. I'm in the Bible. Um, and also, if you're using a written version that you are making notes in and underlining and highlighting, it's really interesting and enriching to come back to passages that you've read previously and go, oh yeah, this was really meaningful. I had this thought about that then. I'm glad to revisit that. So that's the first resource, is the actual Bible itself. 
The next resource I want to talk about is kind of a uh, another category of Bible, which is a study Bible. So here, for those of you listening, I have a copy of the ESV version. It's the English Standard Version, closely related to the Christian Standard Version that I was looking at previously. Um, but this is a study Bible. What is different about this? Well, first, it has all the text of the Bible like you would normally expect. But then it also goes through a really intense process of a lot of other um, Bible experts and scholars digging in and giving us more information. So I'm going to show an example here. Oftentimes at the beginning of each individual book in the Bible, it'll have a little bit of an introduction. So here I see a little bit of introduction on the Gospel of John, and it tells me some things about, okay, who's the likely writer? What, uh, what was the date and the place of that it was originally written? Um, what were some of the themes? What are some of the purposes and the backgrounds? Um, sometimes these Bibles also include maps that give us a better understanding of the ge geography of the area. So then these study Bibles often then um, will have the text passages of the Bible on top and then down below, um, corresponding to the chapter and verse markers, it'll have some explanation of some things. So that explanation may include things like defining a word that we are not familiar with, or um, maybe explaining a metaphor that had to do with agricultural processes at the time of the Bible. Um, it also sometimes gives a little bit of explanation of um, theology on certain things that may be a little bit confusing to us. Another really helpful thing that study Bibles often have is connections to other passages throughout the Bible. So um, in here, I'm looking at uh, John 15, verse 1. Um, it says here that there's uh, references uh, to wild grapes are also referencing things like Isaiah chapter 5 or Psalm chapter 80. So it just really helps you see how um, deeply connected Bible verses are to each other and how rich that is to kind of um, go through that and explore that. Other things that are included in study Bibles are often things like historical context and cultural background. Those are so important for us to understand as modern readers because this was written to people thousands of years ago. It's still for us, but it's written to an entirely different group of people. And sometimes these study notes help us to understand that. It can also help us to understand cultural background, theology, like I said. And when we can do that, it's important because it helps us better understand what is happening in the Bible. So, those are study Bibles. The next thing I want to talk about are Bible commentaries. So, um, this is kind of like the next step up of getting into um, greater depth of understanding about the Bible. So here I'm holding a uh, Holman Illustrated Bible Commentary. So this one has pictures and text. Um, and so a commentary like this is, it's not gonna have the actual text of the Bible. Um, so this is a resource you use in addition to a Bible. And there's lots of different commentaries, but um, this one actually has commentary on the entirety of the Bible. And so if I were preaching on um, Matthew 20 verse 1 I can uh, scroll uh, or I can turn the page to here 
and find what some scholars are saying about Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through whatever. And it'll just give a little bit of explanation about um, whatever may be happening. Now, depending on the commentary, you're going to get a lot of information. So this commentary is a little bit shorter. It doesn't have a ton of information about each verse or each passage. Um, some books go way, way deep. So I'm now looking at another commentary on um, this entire book is just on 1 Corinthians alone, which is only about 15 chapters of the Bible. Um, but here, this particular version is 800 plus pages. That is entirely about 1 Corinthians alone. So it's a lot of incredible depth, a lot of very um, significant research goes into a book like this. And for those of you listening, um, like I said, it's over 800 pages and it's about an inch and a half or two inches thick. So there are some commentaries that go in extreme depth. Do pastors read books like that in their entirety for fun? Most likely not. <laughs> so don't think that we're just sitting in here reading super long books and getting super smart. Um, when I'm preaching on a particular passage, I look at kind of just the parts that are about the passage that I'm looking at. So I'm only reading snippets of it at a time. Some pastors might read all of it at once, um, but um, most likely they're not reading the entirety cover to cover. So the way that commentaries are different than study Bibles is that, again, it's missing or it doesn't have the biblical text in it. And oftentimes a commentary is going into greater theological depth and historical depth about the context than a study Bible will. So it's just kind of like the next level of depth of information. Also with study Bibles, it's primary, study Bibles are primarily put together by a large group of scholars. Other times commentaries might be a large group of scholars, like this particular commentary, the Holman Standard Commentary, has a couple of editors and then a lot of different uh, Bible experts that contributed to it. This other book I showed you um, on 1 Corinthians is all just one writer. Um, this book um, is a commentary on just the book of Revelations. It's a lot shorter. It's about a half inch thick. It's only a couple hundred pages, 200 pages roughly. And this is one author as well. So. It's not a bad thing to have multiple commentaries. It certainly gives you more perspectives. Just know that some commentaries are the perspective of one person. Other commentaries are the perspective of many scholars working together. That's just really important to remember so that you can understand, okay, am I getting a wider perspective or am I getting a more narrow perspective? One of the last things I want to talk about today is a Bible dictionary. So um, this is exactly what it kind of says. It's a dictionary of terms you might find in the Bible. Um, I find this really helpful when I'm preparing a passage or even if I get to something that I just see a word and I'm like, mm, not sure what that is. So um, there are times where there's a lot of metaphors in the Bible about the threshing floor, which is some sort of process about agriculture that I don't really understand. So I'm gonna look up threshing here, if it's in here. So TH, thorn in the flesh, Thessalonica, oh, oh, I'm a little bit, for threshing sledge. So yeah, so there's 
a couple of different um, things in here about threshing and threshing sledge and threshing floor. So now if I'm looking at something um, in the Bible that I don't understand, I can get some greater um, insight on what is that specific word or specific term. Super helpful to me, especially when I'm looking at passages that have uh, metaphors about agricultural practices that are no longer in use that I, I'm not a farmer. I have no idea what some of those things are. So I find the Bible, uh, Illustrated Bible Dictionary really helpful. Again, for a lot of these things, if you don't have the resources to buy one for yourself, um, that's okay. You can still Google a lot of information and say, what's the deal with 1 Corinthians 13? And you can Google that and you may not get the best content um, in terms of stuff that's been like verified by scholars and really checked through by experts, but it'll still oftentimes be helpful information. Just kind of check to make sure where you're looking at it. One last thing I want to talk about is looking at timelines. Because the Bible spans history for thousands of years. There's a lot to go through. Um, especially in the Old Testament, there's a lot of books that are written simultaneously. So timelines like this, and here I'm showing a timeline that I have, um, give some context on what's happening in biblical history, but also what's happening in world history at the same time. That can just be helpful for me to understand, oh, okay, so these biblical books were kind of written together at the same time. Oh, and at the same time, that's what was happening in biblical history or in church history. So again, that's something that you can often look at um, online as well. You can kind of say, what's a timeline of the books of the Bible? And it'll give you um, some information. So that's sometimes something useful to look at. So I just went through a whole bunch of resources pretty quickly, giving you an overview of some of the things that people do, um, A, if they're preparing for a sermon like us pastors to do, um, or if... B, if you're just wanting to delve deeper into the Bible. Sometimes when you're just reading the Bible on your own, you have a question and you go, what's that about? These are the kinds of tools that can help you answer those questions. So I just wanna tell you that you are empowered to do this kind of research and to explore these kinds of things in the Bible, but you don't have to do it alone either please ask us questions. If you're reading in the Bible and you see something that makes you go, wait, what? <laughs> what is that about? Please let us know. We love to have those kinds of conversations with you. Or ask a friend, ask a neighbor, ask someone else in church next to you. Whatever you need to do to understand the Bible, please do it. These are just some of the resources that you can make use of. I hope that's helpful information for you. And if you ever wanna take a closer look at some of these things, Stop by my office on a Sunday morning and I would be happy to show you some of these things. In the meanwhile, I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you all.